Welcome everybody to Sunday Night Live with Hope for Our Times. Good to see all. Well, I guess I can't see any of you, but you guys can see me. It's pretty cool. We're watching everybody commenting online. Uh, great to see everyone. Listen, this is live, as I mentioned. Uh, next week, you're going to have a real treat, special guest. You'll have to wait until next week to see who that is. And uh, in the meantime, before we get going, just a couple of business things. Tomorrow at uh, Monday Live, 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, I'm going to be, my guest is going to be uh, Pete Garcia. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. You remember Pete, he's done a few Monday afternoon lives with us, and he was uh, did two tours in Afghanistan, one in Iraq, and uh, he's going to be joining me tomorrow. He has a lot to say, as you guys already know. I know he's one of your favorites. Uh, Tuesday, I'm also going to be doing another live cast. I have three in a row this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday will be 3 o'clock with John from Australia. I tried to have him on a couple of weeks ago. We had technical issues uh, due to the distance, but we've gotten that straightened out, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we'll, so we'll be taking your questions live tomorrow, live on Tuesday, also Wednesday. Uh, Mark Henry is going to be joining me for his third and final uh, uh, time together where we've been doing these Wednesday live casts. will be the last one. I mentioned to you that uh, I have Mark on three different times. So we did the first two uh, regarding uh, what if there is a financial collapse and uh, food collapse, what do you do? Last week it was self-protection. And this coming week, we're gonna look at the most important thing. What's the most important thing? Well, I hope you can figure it out. Uh, but we're gonna be talking about that because there's things that are missed that we need to no, we have exciting things. I also will be speaking in Vista, California this Saturday. I hope that you can make it. You do need to register. For all I know, the event is sold out. I, uh, you'll have to check online. You can go to my website, hopeforourtimes.com. Click on events. You can get information for Vista, California. That's in San Diego area uh, for those of you who are wondering where Vista is. Okay, so y'all ready? I'll be taking your questions live in a few minutes, as I mentioned. But I do want to get going because we got a lot to talk about. So the message as we will wrap up the book of Hosea this evening is, why is this happening? Well, I think that is a really good question. Why is this happening? Why is all this nonsense happening? So let's get going through some things. So here's the first bit of news I want to bring to your attention. U.S. official confirms Russia used at least one hypersonic missile. So this is news that broke over the last few days. And uh, people are saying it's fake news and it's real news. Listen, it's real news. It really has happened. And things are escalating. I don't know the direction all of this is going to go right now. By the way, I keep getting questions on Ezekiel 38. Hopefully by the end uh, tonight, I'll be able to address some of those. Uh, here's this next article. Look at this. Evangelical Muslim and Jewish leaders commit to working together as Global Faith Forum concludes in Washington, D.C. Listen, this is about social justice. That's what they say. We're going to unite, bring all religions together uh, for the, the under the umbrella of social justice. We're just going to do good for one another. And uh, this is what matters most. Uh, Jesus isn't really better than anybody else. Uh, all religions are the same. All roads lead to heaven and, and all of this nonsense. And, and this just keeps going right on down this path. Perfect setup 
for what is coming in the very near future with the false prophet and the final false religion. So I'll keep you abreast of these things. Uh, by the way, this material has given me a lot to talk about during this week between the shorts and uh, updates. And I hope you guys like the shorts. I get a lot of comments from people that love the shorts. Uh, they're set up just 30 seconds long, 40 seconds long, just to give people enough to think about then engage and to share. So they're super easy to share the shorts. So I would ask that you, you would share those also. Okay, let's move on. Next one. Look at this article. House Democrats want Biden to declare national climate emergency. This is over oil. So what they're saying, all right, li listen to me. All right. What they're saying is, is this, is there's, we cannot drill for oil here in America. And you guys know we're watching the, the price of gas go up and they want to make it a rule, a law that you cannot drill for oil here in America, which will essentially drive the prices up more and more. What are they doing it under? Under the umbrella of climate. So there it is. House Democrats want Biden to declare national climate emergency. Listen, I have been talking about this and sounding the alarm on climate laws for a long time now. Even in my book from way back in 2016, I, I, I brought it up in my book. I have a couple of chapters dedicated to that. The Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is going to rear its ugly head again. Uh, that, the things that the climate, the, the, the Pope had mentioned about the climate World leaders have been mentioning about the climate. This has been going on for a long time. Think of Al Gore. Go way back with Al Gore. Uh, and so we start looking at these things, and you can look at what the Bible says, and we're being set up. The climate laws are going to come, and I'm going to continue to sound the alarm, because when the climate laws come, uh, the lockdowns are going to be pretty incredible. And if you don't do your part, you're going to be shamed. If you really love each other, if you really love your children, if you really love your grandchildren, if you really care about the planet, then you're going to go along with all of these ridiculous laws that are coming. Uh, and this next article goes right along with it. Look at this. Car-free Sundays. International Energy Agency urges governments to implement emergency measures to cut oil consumption. All right. So about three or four weeks ago, I had mentioned that I had read that they're going to go with something to shut down a Sunday travel. And you're not going to be able to go to work. You're not going to be able to do that sort of thing. And I said, I don't remember where I read it. I said, I read it. If I find something along these lines again, I'll let you know. Well, here it is. So this popped up just the other day. A few different places this popped up. I'm going to keep you uh, abreast of this also by looking at this car-free Sundays. Okay, so if you really want to save oil, you would pick any other day of the week in America except Sundays. I mean, this is really about the climate because Sundays are the days when you have the least amount of people that are out there on the road. So when I look at this and I go, okay, these climate gurus who are demanding that we live according to this green earth, lift up Mother Earth to worship her, when they're saying you're not going to drive your car on Sunday, I don't know. I get rather suspicious as to what the real intent is. Mm, because if you're a church and you stay open on Sundays, oh, shame on you. That is awful. Jesus, if you love Jesus, you can worship any day of the week. Therefore, you're a very bad person for wanting to go to church on Sundays. And this whole thing is going this way. I will keep you informed on how this develops. Right now, this talk is out there. But like everything else, coronavirus talk was out there back at the end of 2019, right? A war, the talk was out there. 
Economic catastrophe, the talk is out there. Car-free Sundays, because of climate rules, the talk is out there. Uh, the, these globalists, these elitists that run this stuff, they, they, they uh, telegraph what they're gonna do. So you listen to them and you realize, okay, they're really planning on doing this. I would take them at their word, they're gonna go this direction, but I'll keep you uh, informed on that. Okay, let's look at this next article. Putin lays out demands for ceasefire and call it Turkey's president. Okay. And look at this. Here we have, we have uh, the leader of Russia and the leader of Turkey joining together. Interesting. Just the fact that they're talking together about this. And then you throw in the Israel mix, which we're going to get to in just a few more minutes. You start throwing in all these different things. You go, well, you can't make this stuff up. But regarding Ezekiel chapter 38, my intent is to be able to get there before we're done with the message, before we get to the questions, or maybe if I forget, it'll come up in the questions. I'm going to give you my assessment on where we are on the Ezekiel chapter 38, Gog, Magog invasion. And then there is this article. Check it out. There's the last one. Then we're going to get started here with Hosea chapters 13 and 14, because we're going to wrap this up tonight. Russia warns. Naval mines, look at this, Russia warns naval mines placed in Black Sea allegedly by Ukraine forces have gone adrift. Listen to this article. If you remember, uh, John Geis wrote this, uh, sent this to me and the article, but John Geis wrote, if you remember, the Ukrainians blocked the entrance to Odessa with a mine with mines to prevent a Russian invasion. And then Russia was accused of using an Estonian ship, which sank as a human shield. Now they are accusing Russia of laying the mines that are broken loose and which are floating free in stormy seas. I believe the truth is that these old, more than 40 years old mines sitting in the weather had steel cables that had corroded over those years and thus could no longer handle the storm stress. I also believe that Russia, like the U.S., has the capability of mapping minefields set by others. After all, we had the capability uh, in World War II using old subs to map paths through Japanese minefields. Now you have an unknown number of mines floating free in a war zone full of U.S. and Russian warships and tankers. Could this result in an event leading to a warship getting sunk with great loss of life and the shutting down of oil and wheat shipments? You bet. Russia issued a formal maritime warning saying that a number of naval, naval mines uh, that were placed in the Black Sea allegedly by Ukrainians in efforts to counter Moscow's invasion are no longer attached to their anchors. In a press statement on Saturday, Russia's Federal Security Service, the FSB, said that Ukrainian naval forces had placed lines of mines near the ports of Odessa, Okhov, uh, Chernomorsk, uh, I'm trying to say these names correctly. Yuzhny reported state-run news agency TASS. The FSB said the mines were made in the first half of the 20th century by the Soviet Union. It said the cables that connected the mines to the anchors have broken due to storms, and the mines were now being pushed along by winds and currents and freely drifting on the western Black Sea. The FSB added that this is feasible. The mines could float toward Bosphorus and the Mediterranean Sea, given the current direction of the currents. I look at that and I go, you know, you can't make this stuff up. You think things are escalating and then you start to look at something like this. These mines are just floating out there in the water. What kind of boats are they going to hit? 
Will it happen? I mean, literally, we're watching everything going on with the situation. All I can do is ask this. Why is this happening? As that is the title of our time tonight in the conclusion of the book of Hosea. Okay, I don't have a lot of time, so let's get going. I'll tell you why it's happening. It's number one, it's because of their rejection of all that is good. Back then in ancient Israel, as we've seen here with the book of Hosea, and currently in the world today. Why are all these things happening? Because of our rejection of all that is good. Okay, Hosea chapter 13, beginning of verse 1, when Ephraim spoke, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended through Baal worship, he died. Now they sin more and more. Listen to this. Now, now the people sin more and more. And have made for themselves molded images, idols of silver, according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. What on earth is that about? I'm going to show you. It's going to be quite shocking. Therefore, they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chaff blown off from a threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. Yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. By the way, that's here in your Old Testament. People say, well, Jesus isn't really Savior. God, Jesus isn't really God the Son. Well, according to this, God is our Savior. Says it here in the Old Testament, also says it in the New Testament. Jesus is God the Son. Verse 5, I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. When they had passed here, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. What's God talking about there? In the wilderness, after Israel was led out of Egypt, they're wandering in the wilderness. God had blessed the Israelites then. And then when they were blessed to overflowing, they turned from him. They forgot God. That's what he's saying. You forgot me. When you had all these blessings from me, I'm the one who blessed you. You attributed Baal worship. You attributed all the blessings you had to the pagan gods and to your own ingenuity and to the work of your own hands. God's going to call them on the carpet for all of these things. That's what we do in this world. At least in America we do. And I know there's people watching all over the world. Pretty confident it's the same thing wherever you're watching right now. We start to get blessed and we start to think, well, look how smart I am. And we, we turn from God. And this world has turned from God, a rejection of all that is good. So I will be to them. This is what God says. He was saying it to ancient Israel, warning them that Assyria is going to come in and judge you. You better repent, but they wouldn't. God says, so I will be like a lion, like a leopard on the road. I will lurk. I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. I will tear them open. I'll, excuse me, I'll tear open their rib cage, and there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beasts shall tear them. Yuck! God's just saying, look, uh, uh, it's over. There comes a time where God tells us, I will not strive with men forever. God's very patient and long-suffering, not desiring that any should perish. But there comes a time when God's patience has been exhausted by the sins of men and the rejection of him. And he says, it's, it's game over. Okay, let's work through this. Notice in the beginning of verse 2, as God tells Israel the condition of their heart, um, they're not interested in anything good. They say it here. What do they want to do? Uh, they want to sin more and more. They've, they've given themselves over to Baal worship. 
they're never satisfied. That's how sin is. You start to fill up with sin. You go, ah, okay, I'm, I'm full now, but now I'm starting to get hungry again for more of that thing, whatever that thing is. This describes to me where we are now. I, think of this. Before coronavirus started, you know, people are going down this track and, and sin was increasing and increasing and increasing. And all of a sudden we go into coronavirus. Now we got war. Now we got the threat of famine. Now we got the threat of economic collapse. We have all these different things going on, right? We're watching them. I went into a hardware store yesterday, a local one. I couldn't believe the empty shelves that were in there. But I keep seeing them in the reports that I come across and the things I'm telling you guys about. And there it was. I should have taken pictures. But, but you look at this, and we have all these things going on. Instead of people repenting and turning to the Lord over the last two years, what happens? It's more and more sin. You saw that guy who, who, who says he's a girl and he wins the, swim, he wins the gold medal? So you go, how weird can things get? And then you have something like this. Showed you this last week, but it's worth showing again. Poop Buttigieg, or whatever his name is, his, his husband. The fact that we say these things ought to cause us to think we're fitting right here, where the people sin more and more. When they know the ship is going down, still they refuse to turn to God. So back to this article. Pete Buttigieg, his husband, Chasen, leads children in a pledge of allegiance to the LGBTQ flag, dresses potatoes as drag Queens. Wow. <laughs> you look, you go, this is, I mean, are we, are we really living in this world? These are the leaders of the world. These are the leaders of the Western world. This is just, we're in, we've been given over to a debased mind, a reprobate mind, as Romans chapter one says. Okay. And then there's a strange statement. I want to point this out before we move on. Uh, at the end of verse 2, look at it again. It says here, Now they sin more and more, and have made for themselves molded images, idols of silver according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say to them, Let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Okay, so what is this about? All right. So Jeroboam... He set up golden calf worship in the area of Dan. If you've been to Israel, been to Israel with me or on another tour, you've likely gone up to the area of Dan. I always take groups up to the area of Dan. And you see the temple that Jeroboam built. You, you can actually walk in the temple. You can do videos there. I'll do a video there sometime and I'll show you. And, and he set up this golden calf worship in that temple. So you don't need to go to Jerusalem. You can be right here. So this is a reference to that calf worship. However, uh, on the one hand, it appears Hosea is saying, let them go and kiss those foolish objects of worship and find out that they can't do anything. But on the other hand, uh, many scholars point out that this uh, is tied to child sacrifice, the whole thing. So again, where it says, uh, the men who sacrifice... Let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves tied to child sacrifice. They say literally this is what this means. The men who sacrifice means, look at this, the sacrificers of men. So the sacrificers of men, let them kiss the calves. You want to be a sacrificer of people? Go ahead, kiss those idols that you make. 
and you will find out it'll come to your own destruction, just as it was in the days of ancient Israel that we're reading about. The men who sacrifice literally means the sacrificers of men. Now think of this. In ancient Israel, during the times of rebellion against God, sacrifice was almost always tied to child sacrifice. You heard that right. Almost every rebellion of Israel was tied to child sacrifice. That's how it is in this world. You look at where we are in the world right now, and let me zero in on America since I'm from America. And you look at the child sacrifice in America. And here, Hosea says, they only sin worse and worse. It's getting worse and worse. You look at how over 60 million babies have gone through child sacrifice of abortion in America. Okay? And it's only getting worse and worse. Look at this. I showed this to you last week also, but it's worth looking at again. Maryland bill would allow killing babies in infanticide up to 28 days after birth. You do not think that is unbelievable wickedness that we have achieved the fact that we have leaders in our communities, leaders in our cities, leaders in our counties, leader in our states, the leaders in Washington, D.C., and throughout the world that say much of the world, a lot, some of the world, South America and other areas, they're pushed back against abortion, but not here in America, not in the Western world. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a right. Let's press for it. Let's do it. What Hosea is warning of, they sin more and more and, and let them sacrifice. It's the sacrificers of men. Kiss your golden calf. See how it works out for you. Listen, these people, this Maryland bill that's being put forth, these are the people who are voted into power by the people for the people. This is what we're voting for? We vote for these people? Listen, we've, th this world is corrupt. I, I need you to think of this. When God judged ancient Israel and ancient Judah, and I've said this before, listen, there were good Jews who loved God. All of the prophets that you, that you read about in, uh, that, that have books written after their name, they all loved God. They tried to warn the people. And there were others within the land of Israel and Judah who loved God. But overall, the politicians, the priests, the prophets, overall have been given over to these things. And, and although some of them didn't commit child sacrifice themselves, they were okay with it. God hadn't judged them. They were good with it. It made the people happy. They had all kinds of money. Life was good. Whew. Man. Let's move on. Verse 9. I want to get through this. Only got like 15 more minutes. Verse 9. Oh, Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other? that he may save you in all of your cities and your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princes. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. The sorrows of a woman and childbirth shall come upon him. Well, wait a minute, verse 13. The childs of a woman and sorrowbirth shall come upon him. Is this speaking of transgender stuff? <laughs> no, it's not that absurd. 
but I'll show you what it means in a second. He is an unwise son, for he should not stay long where children are born. Okay, let me stop here for uh, for just a second. Um, when you look at this, this is basically saying uh, judgment is coming. He says, you are destroyed, yet your help is from me. All you had to do was turn to me. And when he's referencing here, I gave you a king, but then I took your kings away. He's referencing in here the time of Judges. If you're familiar with the time of, the, of Judges in the Old Testament, it's the time when Israel was crying out, we want a king like the other nations. You remember that? At the time of Judges, God says, I'm your king, I'm your king, but the people didn't want God to rule over them. So they said, give us a leader, a king, like the other countries have, like the pagan countries have. So God says, you want a king then? You don't want me to be your king? All right, I'll give you a king. So who comes along? King Saul. That didn't work out too well. Then after that, we have David who came along. But after David died, you, you saw, and, and Solomon, his son, it was really after Solomon died, you saw the kingdom. That's when it split. That's when Jeroboam went to the north, and uh, the other two tribes stayed to the south. And, and the entire northern kingdom was just a, a mess. They never had a good king. The southern kingdom had a few good kings. Josiah was a good king. Hezekiah. Some of the, uh, the, the had a few good kings in the southern kingdom, but some really bad ones. Also, that, the bad ones given over to child sacrifice. But, and then here to Assyria, God is specifically saying, look, I took away your kings, and you know who I'm bringing in? I'm bringing the Assyrians. That's who you guys want to party with? That's who you guys trust to be your savior? That's who you trust to be your leader? It's not going to go well for you, but I'll give you guys the Assyrians. I'm your savior, um, but they didn't want God to be their savior. And then it's very interesting here in verse 13, where it says, The sorrows of a woman in childbirth shall come upon him. So it's referencing him as an Ephraim nation of Israel, but the, the sorrows of of a woman and childbirth shall come upon him. I want you to think of this. All right. So it's the implication is, in fact, let me, let me give it to you from Jeremiah because Jeremiah really helps us to see this. What does this mean? Okay. When Jeremiah was prophesying to the Southern kingdom of Judah, about 100, 120 years after the Northern kingdom was destroyed by Assyria, the Southern kingdom is going to be destroyed by Babylon. Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse four. Now these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice trembling, a voice of trembling, of fear, not of peace. Ask now and see what, listen to this, ready? Here's where it connects. Whether a man in, is ever in labor with child. Yes, yeah, this isn't talking about transgenderism. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor and all faces turned pale? Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. It is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Jacob shall be saved out. What's God saying? There's a time coming, just like Hosea was saying, when the pain is so great that people are doubling over. Even the men are doubling over in fear. Oh no, look what's coming, like a woman about ready to give birth. If you, if you talk with people over the last couple of years, men, grown men, afraid, going through anxiety, you ask them, how are they doing? Their stomach hurts. People are bent, they, they feel bent over and, and worried and troubled. Listen, in, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, 
that men's hearts will fail them from the fear and expectation of the things that are coming upon the planet. So that's what God was saying here in Hosea. He's saying, uh, Israel, I want you to know the Assyrians are coming and I'm going to watch the men bent over like a woman about ready to give birth to a child. Or she's going to be, uh, or the men are going to be devastated. They're going to turn pale with the horror that is coming their way. All you had to do was repent and turn to me. I could have stayed off, uh, held the Assyrians off, but you wouldn't let me do it. When people say, why is God doing this right now? Because we won't let him in. And we're saying, God, we don't, we don't want you in our lives. We want to work with our country our way. We're going to solve this utopian world problems because we want a utopian world and we don't want you involved. And God says, all right. This is how it's going to be. It's not going to be good. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah took an immediate prophecy to Judah about ready to be judged by Babylon. The men bent over, and then he launches forward into the, the uh, second half of the tribulation period. He said, the time of Jacob's trouble. But then he says, Israel will be saved out of it there in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7 which is where we're going to be in just a minute. We're going to turn the corner here from the judgment that is coming. We're going to turn the corner here to what God is about ready to do. But this is also a reminder here. I want to go here before we turn this corner, right? Just a couple of things. Look at this. There's a reminder in the New Testament of the coming tribulation period. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. I want you to note this. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon who? It comes upon them. Who's them? Those who are left behind. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Wow, the trials are coming like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. According to Jeremiah, men are going to be doubled over as if they are giving birth. But I want you to go back to this verse again, and I want you to note this. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And look at this. First Thessalonians chapter five says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. And look at that. And they shall not escape. That's not speaking of us. Because just a few verses before that, God says they will be caught up. We who are alive and remain will be caught up, harpazoed into the air, raptured. We are to comfort one another with these words. Those who are left behind, they will say peace and safety. They're going to say, we finally got rid of those crazy Christians. Now we can have our own utopian world. Antichrist is here. He's saying, hey, I've got the solution to fix all the problems. And the people are going to say, yes, we've arrived. Get rid of the Christians. Antichrist is here. Peace and safety. God says sudden destruction will come upon them. We're not, if you're a believer in Christ, you are not part of the them. But then notice this also, verse 14, God says, I will ransom them. This is speaking of Israel, who he's writing to, from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death, O oh, oh death. I will, I will be your plagues. O oh, grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. So I, I look at this and, and think, okay, what's this? Uh, God says, I will ransom you from the grave. Death is done. Grave is done. I'll ruin the death. I'll ruin death. I'll ruin the grave. How's that done? It's done through Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy to Jesus. Look at this. You see almost these exact words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at these words where 1 Corinthians 15 says, verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? 
Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Remember what Hosea just said? God said there, verse 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be your plagues. Oh, grave, I will be your destruction. Here, 1 Corinthians 15, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I love that. One of the most encouraging passages in all the Bible. And then we conclude chapter 13 with this. Though he is fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness. Then his spring shall become dry and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall plunder the treasury of every desirable prize. Samaria is held guilty for she has rebelled against her God. Uh, Samaria is another play on words for the northern kingdom of Israel. They shall fall by the sword, their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women uh, with child shall be ripped off. What's God saying? When Assyria comes, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get really bad. You need to repent. In the same manner, listen, if you do not, uh, if you die, not with Christ, if you don't know Christ when you die, the warning is there. It's going to be exceptionally bad for all of eternity. You do not want to die that way. God gives us warning about that. Just like he's given Israel warning about Assyria, turn to me, repent, or Assyria is coming. They would not repent. They suffered. In the same sense, listen, you must know Christ. It will not go well for all of eternity. All right, this is a lot of bad news here. So let's conclude with good news because the rest of this is good news. Unfortunately, it's kind of short, but it's still really good news. So in the first part, we noticed chapter 13, it was their rejection of all that is good. Chapter 14 is short, but it's their return to God. Look at this, verses 1 and 2. Oh, Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take, look at this, verse 2. When you return to God, look at this, verse 2, chapter 14. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all this iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Um, by the way, a couple of things I want to note here. Um, I was going to talk about this tonight. I got a question from uh, someone a couple of weeks back in the comments on Sunday nights, and they had uh, said something about the deep state Zionists. And I got kind of ticked off when I answered the question in the comment section. Some of you might remember that. And uh, the person had emailed me, her name's Claire. Claire, I told you I would try to get to it tonight. I don't think I'm gonna have time to get to, uh, to, to go over the deep state Zionists and explain it a little bit better uh, with a little bit more understanding. Um, and, and, and help us to understand what the term is that people use when they're talking about deep state Zionists. But with that, so Claire, I'll get to that. I've been promising you I would, I'll get to it, but probably sometime during this week, I'll get to it. But I don't think I'm going to have time tonight because I want to develop it a lot better for a really good understanding. But real quick, God's the original Zionist, and we need to remember that. Yes, there's evil Jews, but there's evil Gentiles too. So it's understanding these different things. And here, God is letting us know in chapter 14 of, of uh, the book of Hosea that Israel is going to return to her God. Israel's going to come back. And God says, when you do return to me, return to me with words. 
And Israel's going to. Zechariah chapter 12, the Bible says, they will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for their firstborn son. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, he said, listen, you will not see me again. The very last verse of Matthew chapter 23. Desolation has happened to Israel. That's what happened after 70 AD. And he says this. This is just a few days before he's crucified. He says to the religious leaders, you will not see me again. You've killed the prophets. And you're about ready to kill me. But you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until you say, Hosanna. Baruch Habash. Uh, I forgot the rest. Um, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So you look at this and you go, okay, here we are. In the end, Israel will, they will look up to the Lord and with words, they will say, we are yours. We want you to be our God. That's what God's waiting for. And Jesus is going to ride out of the sky and it's going to be awesome. But you want to know something? The Lord wants us to return to him with words also, to come to him with words. He doesn't want us to, to come to him without words. In the same sense, think of it like this. Uh, this is what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9 and 10, excuse me. What does the Bible say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, that is so cool. Uh, and so again, God says, when you come to me here in Hosea, return to me with, with, take words with you. When you come to me, it's not enough just to, well, I really feel like I love God. God wants you to tell him. He wants us to verbalize. It's like if you're married or something. You don't tell your wife, I love you on the day that you got married. And, you know, five years later, she says, you never say you love me. Well, I told you I loved you when we got married. If it's going to change, I'll let you know. No, you don't do that. You don't do that in a marriage, right? If you really care about your own kids, you tell them you love them all the time. You tell your, your family, you tell your best friends, you, you tell them these things. God says, hey, bring words. Don't just... Say, well I, well, I feel, Lord, you should know that I love you. I mean, isn't it kind of obvious? Then God would say, no, I looked at your life. It's not obvious. And he says, tell me, but don't let it be just lip service. Don't let it be fake. It's got to be real. That's the problem with Israel. They were fake, but they will be real. And on that day, it'll be real words when they turn to the Lord. And then he says here that he will take away all iniquity he will receive us graciously, for we, at the end of verse 2, shall offer sacrifices of our lips. This is worship. God wants us to praise him with our lips, to worship him. People say, well, why do I go to church? Why do you have that stupid singing? Well, it's not stupid singing. It's about worship. That's what it is. It's about praising God. You might not like the songs. So what? Look at the lyrics. God wants us to praise him. He wants us to worship him. Also notice this in verse 3. We're almost done here. We're going to be done in about three minutes. So get ready to send your questions. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. In God the fatherless finds mercy. The problem was 
Israel was saying, Assyria is our friends. Israel was saying, by the work of our hands, we've done this. God says the day's going to come when that's all going to be reversed. You're going to recognize it is the God of heaven. We're going to recognize these words are true from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hopefully, uh, we'll get there sooner than later. If you're not there now, go there now. Say, God, I, I need to have my mind made right with you. It's not by the work of my hands. Oh, no, Lord. Not by my might or my power, but by your spirit. By his spirit, says the Lord. So Israel's going to come to that place of complete surrender to him. People tell me all the time, God is done with Israel. No, God is not done with Israel. Okay, we move on. We're almost done here. Verse four, I will heal their backsliding. Isn't that good to know? Are you a backslider? Turn to God. I'll heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. God says, I'll do that. For my anger has turned away from him. Isn't that good to know that God's anger has turned away from you? Wow. I will be like dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Listen, this is God's promise to Israel. You will come back to me. I'm going to be your God. Remember we saw previously in the book of Hosea, God says, I will destroy all these other nations, but I will not destroy my people. I will not destroy Israel. Listen, you want to know what? Jerusalem is always going to exist, and the Jews are always going to exist. That's right. That's what the Bible teaches. There are more and more pastors that I hear about that say, don't teach this kind of stuff. In my church, we're not going to teach the Old Testament. In my church, you're not going to hear any Bible prophecy. We're not going to talk about Jesus coming again. No, no, no. We don't hear, need to hear that kind of nonsense. What people need right now are uh, just all of the good, warm, fuzzy words. Well, what, you know, what the heck is that? You know, that's not, let's teach the Bible and what the Bible says. And, and and understand this, everything is going to unfold exactly as the Bible says. So when, you, so when you see why things are going on the way they are, because we've turned from God. But God says, listen, you turn to me, I'll save you. And with the nation of Israel, God says, you will turn to me and it's going to be totally great. It's going to be totally awesome. Where he says here in verses four through seven, he talks about the different types of things. Um, he says here again, I will hear, heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. Uh, verse five, I will be like the dew in Israel. He shall grow like the lily. Listen, this is what he's letting Israel know. Growth is restored. Beauty is restored. Strength is restored. Lengthen the root, his roots in Lebanon. He shall grow like the lily. Uh, so this is what he's referring to. Take a screenshot of that because I'm moving on to the next one. Because look at this. What else do we see? Value is restored. His beauty shall be like the olive tree. This is what God is saying there in the few verses that we just read. So he's saying, listen, your value is going to be restored. What else is he saying? Delight is restored. Meaning, or that's what the meaning is in his fragrances like Lebanon. What else? He says this. Abundance is restored. Revived like grain. 
grow like the vine, scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. So again, it's all of these things, they're metaphors. God is letting them know your value is restored, Israel. Your delight is restored. Abundance is restored. I love you too much. I'm never going to let you go. I'm going to heal all of your backsliding. And then he concludes, Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. This is full surrender of Israel to God in at the end of the last days. That's what this is. When, when people say, you don't read about the restoration of Israel, people, act, pastors will actually say, God's done with that. He's moved on from these promises. No, he's not. God is not done with Israel. Such lies. Verse 9, who is wise? Let him understand these things. Ah, if you want to be wise, understand this is truth. I'm scratching that part out of my Bible. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. Those who don't know the Lord, those who don't love the Lord, they can't handle these truths. The transgressors stumble over these things. They stumble over Israel. They stumble over all of this stuff. The transgressors in the pulpit, I'll even call them. They don't want to talk about these things. Wow. I don't know. I look and think we're supposed to be talking about these things. God wants us to. Listen, God doesn't give us his Bible so we won't know these things. He gives us his Bible so we will know these things. These are This is his book to us, his love letter. The Old Testament and New Testament, all of the books, all of the verses, not just the ones that the preacher likes or not just the ones that a person likes. It's all of them. Phew. Look at the book of Revelation. I have so many people say, don't talk about the book of Revelation pastors to say that stuff. Oh, why not? God says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, there's a blessing to all those who read, hear, and keep the words of this book. All three of those things. Why would God give us this blessing if he didn't want us to know these truths? Listen, I'm ready to take your questions. So if you got them, let's bring them. I'm ready to go. Let's see what we got. Okay, question, question, question. Dave, Scrimshaw says, Andy Stanley, not wise. <laughs> I know what that's a reference to. Okay, send in your questions. So far, I see none, but you guys might be a little bit behind me. Okay, I'm still looking. Uh, let's see, let me just see. I think this might be a question here. Listen, make sure that you put your question in all caps. I mean, the word question in all caps, and then I'll be able to catch it with my eyes. Questions come in fast. This is from Lady Hawk. What do you think Trump's role in prophecy could be? Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that or if I want to. Listen, all the stuff that's going on right now, I look at it and, and all, all kinds of things are happening. All sides of the aisle. Listen, one example would be Ukraine and Russia situation, right? Let's just think about that. In fact, I did a video on this just the other day. I keep sounding this alarm because I believe there's so much radical deception regarding this that people on the right are deceived, people on the left are deceived. How do you figure this? You know, you guys watch this. So you're, you're in tune with Bible prophecy, so you get it. Okay, so think of this. Back in coronavirus and, you know, the shot, right? Remember that? Which wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're still dealing with it. It's going to rear its ugly head again. I think Billy Crone's right on that one. It's going to rear its ugly head again. There's still all this undercurrents of stuff. Um, but just uh, until, just up until the Ukraine-Russia war, uh, 
It was don't trust CNN, don't trust MSNBC, don't trust ABC, don't trust CBS. Klaus Schwab is of the devil. George Soros is of the devil. All these different leaders are of the devil. All of a sudden, we go, we have Russia, Ukraine. What is it? I hear people on the right. Well, Klaus Schwab said this. You need to trust him. CNN. Well, look what I found on CNN. I'm thinking, well, so suddenly they were of the devil. You couldn't trust anything they said. But suddenly, since you're in some type of an agreement with them, you can trust them. Listen, there's so much deception out there. And we're deceived all over the place. I, I would caution anybody to not turn to the left or right of this and, and really pay attention. Listen, when it comes to the deception of the last days, Satan, he, he's not just out to deceive people on the left. And, and there's this concept, well, if I'm conservative, I'm not going to be deceived. Well, I don't see that in the Bible. Um, Satan is out to deceive people on the left and the right. Jesus said the deception would be so great that if possible, even the elect would be deceived. Listen, you got good, good cop, bad cop going on. So you can look at these the bad people right now and go, oh, they're evil. Somebody else comes along that's really good and has all the answers. Ah, that's the guy. <laughs> Listen, Antichrist is coming. And I did not just say Trump is Antichrist, by the way. But I'm just saying you got to be very careful about um, all, the, all the different things that are going on because of the great deceptions that are out there. And... and and understand that what we really need is Jesus Christ. Listen, I believe in being involved in politics. I believe you got to get righteousness. Listen, if we had righteous leaders in the world, in states and counties and in countries, gosh, could you imagine if America had righteous leaders right now? Wow, this world would not be in this mess. But we have some of the most wicked people that ever existed that are running America right now. And so, so I believe in getting righteous, in voting right, for righteous standards. I, I believe I'm in line with God on that. But at the same time, my hope must be in, in uh, Jesus Christ. So all that to say is we need to be very careful uh, about deception. Okay, let's see. When the, this is watch and pray, I think this is a question. I'm not sure. If it's not, I'll move on. Uh, when the Mount of Olives parts in half to allow Jews to escape the destruction of Jerusalem. This could be the moment that they come to know Jesus is their Messiah. Okay, that's too late. Okay, when the Mount of Olives splits in two, that's too late. Jesus has already returned. So uh, in Zechariah chapter 14, well, here's what's happening. Jesus, it's when the Jews have already cried out for Jesus to save them. He comes and he saves them. He comes out of the sky. He comes to Armageddon and he casts the false prophet and antichrist into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And then he goes over to Jerusalem. He stands on the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives splits in two, uh, half to the north, half to the south, right? And then there's a valley that cuts across the Kidron Valley from where, from the Temple Mount area, coming across the Kidron Valley, water's going to flow from the temple all the way into the Dead Sea. But when Jesus, that's after Jesus comes back. So that's too late at, at that point. Uh, so uh, just so you know, Jesus comes back, stands on the Mount of Olives uh, at the end. Okay, question. This is from Joseph. The first horse, right in Revelation 6-2, receives a crown to use to conquer the world. Crown, Strong's 473, is interpreted Corona in many foreign language Bibles. Is God giving us it? No. You know, I, I've been reading that since coronavirus first came around. we got to be 
careful in how we interpret these things. Uh, you can you can call it Corona. That that, that doesn't matter. But um, what is happening is there is a leader. So when you look at when you look at all four horsemen of the apocalypse, you have what you have is a leader or a group of leaders. That's what they are. And um, so when you have the first one, there is a it's decisions that are made. the The virus isn't the conquer. It's men. It's men that are controlling this whole system. That's what is ha happening. So when you look at what's happened with uh, the rider on the white horse, you can say, I would say this, men have used coronavirus rules, mandates, laws, etc., or not of any laws, uh, rules, mandates, etc., to what? To conquer, to subdue the world. They've done a pretty good job of it, but not good enough. Still, this is going to be fulfilled in, in its finality in the, in the future days. But, but we can see how it has been used. Um, then you have the rider on the red horse and the black horse and the, and the pale horse and so forth. In fact, my message this uh, Saturday in Vista, California, San Diego area is going to be on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more uh, on Saturday. And I think it's going to be live. I know it'll be live for people that are there, but it's not my event. I was asked to speak at it. Okay, moving on. Just Vicky question. When the Bible refers to the angel of the Lord, is the angel of the Lord part of God's part of the Godhead, uh, a Jesus uh, reference in the Old Testament. Um, yes, often it is. Think of a time when, um, who was it that was wrestling with the Lord? It was Jacob that wrestled with the Lord, and the Lord touched his hip. Angel of the Lord, I believe that was uh, uh, Christophany. Uh, Jesus, in, uh, his appearance in the Old Testament uh, so, yeah. Uh, next question. Holly, Spirit of Me, question, is Psalm 83 the next prophetic event? Um, it could be. Listen, Bill Salas is a friend of mine, and he he absolutely believes that Psalm 83 is, is going to be fulfilled. I, I have other friends that push back on that. I'm not so sure if Psalm 83 is an actual war, but it is interesting. Uh, I got to give Bill some credit because uh, when you look at the battle of Ezekiel chapter 38, by the way, I, I got an answer. I, I have to answer a question on that. So let me pull that one up of Ezekiel chapter 38. When you look at Psalm 83 and the war that is there, the, the, individual people, nations, groups that come against Israel and are defeated by Israel are the people immediately surrounding Israel. When you look at Ezekiel 38, they're all outlined. So Bill Salas brings up a good point. What happened to the people in immediately surrounding Israel? He says they've been eliminated through the Psalm 83 war. That's why you only have the outward uh, the, the outlying nations like Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan, Egypt, and et cetera, that come against Israel because the, the inner circle ones have been eliminated. Now, people push back on that. They argue back and forth uh, whether or not Psalm 83 is an actual event, that a, a war that's about ready to happen. So I'm not going to get into that right now. I've been in many, many conversations about that. Uh, but uh, we'll wait and see on that. I do believe that Isaiah chapter 17 is a, is a battle of Damascus that's going to happen, um, where Damascus is going to be destroyed in one night. I also believe this, and, and I meant to get to here tonight in, um, when we were going through Hosea, but Isaiah chapter 28, 
Listen to this. This is fascinating to me. I believe Isaiah chapter 28 is also prophetic to the last days. In Isaiah 28 verse 14, uh, Isaiah writes, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. So Isaiah is prophesying to a time when Jerusalem has wicked leaders, evil leaders. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Shul we are in agreement. So they made a covenant with the devil, basically, and with death, right? These wicked leaders entered into an agreement with the devil. And this is what the agreement was. You said when the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. So Israel is going to enter into an agreement to avoid a scourge. They're, they're, they're like, okay, this is going to happen to you, Israel, unless you enter into this agreement. This is interesting. People say the reason why Israel enters into this agreement is to build their, uh, the, the agreement with Antichrist is to build their temple and so forth. I don't believe that's why Israel enters into the agreement. I believe if Isaiah chapter 28 is what I think it is, Israel enters into this agreement because they need to, is to avoid this scourge. They say this, this, uh, the scourge won't come to us. We're going to enter into an agreement to avoid the scourge. Uh, for we have made lies our refuge under falsehood. We have hidden ourselves. They're going to know it's a lie, but they're going to enter into an agreement with the devil anyways because they think it's going to protect them. Your covenant, God says this, with death will be annulled. Think of that, Isaiah or, or uh, Daniel chapter 9, what happens in the middle of the week, Antichrist breaks, breaks the covenant. God says here, Isaiah 28, verse 18, your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with Shul will not stand. Your agreement with death in the grave, it will not stand. It will be annulled. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you'll be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you in for morning by morning. It will pass over. And by day and by night, it will be a terror just to understand the report. Um, so you, you look at this and you look at all these different things that are going on right now. You're thinking, wow. So Isaiah chapter 28, I wanted to get there tonight going through the... Um, uh, uh, book of Hosea, but I wanted to connect that dot for you too as we go through things. Okay, before I get to the next question, I've gotten this, received this question, excuse me, a lot over the last couple of weeks because a lot of my colleagues are talking about it and it's all over and it's, and it's regarding the Ezekiel 38 war, Gog, Magog, and there, listen, there's a lot of prophecy teachers out there that are saying this battle's going to happen at, at any moment. Get ready for it. It's going to happen. The missiles are flying. It's going to happen. And I keep pushing back against it. I'm saying, I don't believe that this battle is going to happen in the near future. And I've said this, that um, I have friends that say when, when Ezekiel 38 talks about uh, the, the battle from Russia, Gog, the Gog-Magog invasion with Turkey and, and, and so forth, when it comes upon Israel... Israel's got to be gathered back into the land. We know it's during the latter days. It's at a time when they dwell safely with neither bars or gates or walls are down. And they'll say the term safely is really security. So therefore, um, Israel is dwelling in security because right now the IDF keeps Israel secure. And I'll say it does. Uh, it really does. When you land in the Ben Gurion airport in Tel Aviv, you can feel the safety when you're there, the security that's there. You can feel it. Everywhere you go in Israel, you feel safe. I feel a lot safer in Israel than I do in my own, uh, in my own valley that I live in. And so, yes, I understand that. However, there's a problem with that. I've said, well, it, it applies to me that Israel's going to be dwelling in tranquility. So with that, how does that work out? Who is right? 
where I say Israel is going to be dwelling in tranquility or where my friends say, no, it's just going to be safety. So I'm going to read to you from the King James Bible, this passage, Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 11, to help understand why I believe the Ezekiel 38 war is not going to be happening next week. Last Sunday night, I think this inspired a lot of people to talk and get mad at me. I said, I don't see that battle happening within the next six months. If I'm wrong, I'll tell you I'm wrong. Uh, but if you say it's going to happen in the next six months, then in six months and one day, if it hasn't, then you guys tell me you're sorry. All right. Is that a good deal? Okay. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 11, King James Bible says this, thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them. This is Russia saying, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. This is talking about Israel. I will go to them that are at rest. New King James says a peace that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Okay, so we have the time frame when this is going to take place. We know in the latter days, but also when Israel's at rest and dwelling safely. Okay, so the term for dwelling safely, it comes from uh, a uh, uh, um, Hebrew word, betcha, and it means to dwell in security. So like a lot of my friends say, the IDF is protecting Israel. The problem is just the statement before that they're dwelling in rest, they're dwelling safely. The word for rest there, it is a different word. All of them are at rest. And it means this. It literally means is to be quiet, to be tranquil, to be at peace to rest, to lie still, to be undisturbed, to show quietness. So Israel's not in a place of tranquility. So according to Ezekiel chapter 38, yes, security, IDF, but also at a time of tranquility. Israel's just going to be laying going, life is good. Finally, we can rest in tranquility. So I say Israel's definitely not there. The first part, security, yes, but the other part, Resting, tranquility, no, they're, they're not there yet. They're always on the guard. Right now, they're wondering, can they trust anybody? They're trying to make agreements between Russia and Saudi Arabia, Turkey, everybody else they're trying to. So I don't see the Ezekiel 38 battle happening right away. Isaiah, uh, or excuse me, Isaiah 17, the destruction of Damascus. Yes, that could happen any moment. Psalm 83, if my friend Bill Salas is correct, yes, that could happen at any moment. But I don't see the Ezekiel 38 battle happening yet. Some event, going all the way back to the question about uh, Psalm 83 and Isaiah 17, some event has to happen or things have got to change from where they are right now. The whole world is on edge, including Israel. Uh, so something's got to happen that causes Israel to go to a place of rest is, is what uh, the King James Bible says, meaning tranquility. So not quite to that place yet. Okay, a question from Matthew Crockett. When is Bill Salas coming back on? Uh, I don't know yet, but I think it'll be in the not too distant future. A question. Uh, it'll be a live program, probably a Monday live. He and I are working on it. I've got I've got a lot of people in the group uh, to, to do. That's why I have three this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, a, lot, a lot of things are coming up, which are kind of cool, kind of cool. And uh, by the way, I really appreciate your prayer uh, because we are um, now going to be 
well, pretty soon we have to record a bunch of messages for Mexico. They're going to be some like prophecy 101. What is the rapture? Uh, is there going to be a temple built? What is it? Who is antichrist? Who is false prophet? What is Bible prophecy? Should we study Bible prophecy? So these things are going to be on the radio in Mexico. So it's, it's pretty cool. And also, well, some of you will put together a YouTube channel, but really appreciate your prayer for that. It's a lot of work, but it's exciting. We get to work for the Lord. And our, and our, our um, work is, for the Lord is never in vain. So, um, yeah, really appreciate your prayers for that. Uh, question, where does it say one-third of the angels fell with Satan? That would be in Revelation chapter 12, where his tail drew uh, one-third of the angels. That is from someone named Cheryl. Uh, question, Grace says, Grace Thompson, question, when is persecution for Christians coming? Um, uh, let's see. That is a good question. I, it's okay. It's pretty it, anywhere outside the Western world. It's there. So, and if you're to look at America, you start looking at Australia, New Zealand, Europe, and so forth. It, you can see it's increasing. There's an animosity towards Christianity, more so in Europe than here in America, but it's increasing and it's only going to increase as we get closer and closer to that day. We know it's going to be step up a lot during the tribulation period because in the fifth seal of Revelation chapter six, the Antichrist has uh, the, 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 those who are coming to faith in Christ, he has them murdered. In Revelation chapter 13, uh, at the end of the, the section about Antichrist, it says that Antichrist has given power over the saints to overcome them. So it's going to only increase as we get closer and closer to that day. But I couldn't give you a time frame um, other than that. Just know that it will increase. By the way, I want to say this also. This kind of ties in with this. I don't... I. I I look and think, okay, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we are told the scoffers will come in the last days saying, where's the promise of his coming? In other words, people are going to make fun of you if you talk about Bible prophecy and Jesus coming again. People do that now. I get it all the time. You know, it's, it's like, it's just like nonstop. It's happened for years. It happens even more now. It happens more now from people who are churched and other pastors than it does anybody. In fact, people who aren't part of the church, they're interested. I've talked with many people who never go to church, never give a thought about God, they're interested in this, what we're talking about right now, because they know something's wrong, but interesting. Many church people say, I don't want to hear about it. I believe that's going to increase. Um, I don't know when the rapture is going to be, but I do believe that is going to increase more and more, uh, simply because the implication from Peter is that. It's going to increase a lot more than what we have right now. And it comes from those, uh, those in Second Peter say, the... Our fathers told us that Jesus was coming again. In other words, these are people who are churched. These are people who learned their grandfather, their father said, Jesus is coming and there's going to be a rapture. And they said, that's, they decided it's nonsense. So they heard that in the church. They've written it off. So when I see what's happening with churches and pastors saying, we don't want to hear it. They're fulfilling Bible prophecy to their own destruction, but they are. But this type of thing, the scoffing is, is going to get worse than it is right now. It's out there, but it's not like, the end of the world stuff yet so it's going to it's going to in, increase and i don't know when the um uh uh, uh uh rap when the persecution is going to increase nor when the rapture is going to take place because the next question on here is from hooked on jesus question do you believe the church will be in heaven when the first seal is opened and by the way hooked on jesus thank you for your encouraging words on bible prophecy 
And uh, what you have about this channel, I really appreciate that. Uh, do you believe the church will be in heaven when the first seal is opened? I, I do. Um, I, and the reason, I mean, there's various reasons why. I believe the four horsemen are uh, part of God's judgment. God, as God turns man over to his own destruction. That's what's happening with the four horsemen. The, the, the fake peace, the death by war, death by economic collapse. When you get this utopian world leaders that intentionally collapse everything that we can see going on now, uh, bringing up famine, we keep reading about that. And then you have death by pestilence, death by war, death by famine with the pale horse to a quarter of the planet. It appears to me God has turned them over. That's a judgment. Antichrist is a judgment. Did you know that? When God is going to give people the ruler they want. Just as he did with ancient Israel when they said, we want a king, as we saw in Hosea tonight, people are going to say, give us a man, give us a ruler, and they're going to worship him. Jesus said the deception will be so great. He says, if possible, even the elect would be deceived. This is why I caution against the left and the right, and just don't get caught up too much in that. You must stay focused on Jesus Christ, uh, the author and finisher of our faith, or, or man, it's going to be so, so easy to get deceived. Because of all the different stuff that's going on, we got to stay focused on his word. Okay, with that, I totally lost track of what I was talking about. Oh, do I believe what will be in heaven uh, before the first seal? Yeah, I do. That's a judgment that comes from God. Also, we think of the restrainer being removed, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is restraining back the forces of evil through the believers right now. And, and when, we're, when we're taken out of here, all hell is going to break loose on this earth. And I, I would equate possibly the restrainer being removed from the planet to the seals being opened in, with, uh, with Jesus. When he, when he unseals the seals, I believe it's a title deed to the earth, but it also appears to me be very symbolic that God is no longer holding man back. He's no longer restraining man at that point. He's unsealing these things, letting man do what he wants to do. And that is uh, the beginning. I believe what we're watching right now is a setup. I mean, we can see the setup of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But if you can join me for Vista online or in person, then go for it. I'll be talking about that more uh, this Saturday. Okay, next question. Eileen. Oh, I need to wrap this up. I didn't realize I was talking so long. Okay, Eileen. Uh, when... We are leave, living, Eileen Moody, when we are living in the new heaven for the thousand years, is that our thousand years or God's 10P? So I don't know what 10P is, um, but it is a thousand years. So it would be in our time frame. It was written for us to understand it would be a literal thousand years. So at that point, there's not a new heaven and a new earth yet. So we still have the sun going around. Uh, or excuse me, how's that work? The earth spins. Wait, I'm not a flat earther. The earth spins. Ah, you guys know how it works, right? We're going around the sun, right? Let me, yeah, that's right. We all rotate, like, however it is. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to have all these trips around the sun, like one year, 365 days. So that is still going to be taking place during the, the millennial kingdom. It's a literal thousand year period, hence millennia, meaning thousands. So it's going to be a literal thousand year uh, term as we understand what a thousand years are. Okay, let me see if I can get one more question in here. Question, what's normal? I don't know what's normal. 
Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure what's normal. Here it is. Uh, do you think people should take internet off the phones so we can't be tracked in case of persecution? Uh, no, I would. if that's the case, just throw your phone away and run as far as the east is from the west from it. Listen, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, how, how soon all of these things are going to be developing. Maybe we'll be raptured before that. We could be raptured next week. So I don't want to, people say, well, you just timed the rapture. You know, you said it's not going to happen for 100 years. I never said that, all right? I'm saying I believe we need to be prepared. Listen, I, I, I do want to say this. Let me take out just a minute here because I get a lot of pushback from people if I just say, hey, you got to be wise and think through. What if, just what if, we're not raptured next week? Because a lot of people watch Bible prophecy they're thinking we're going to be raptured next week, and then the two weeks later, they're you know, and it's always living. The, the rapture is going to happen today, 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 and it, it doesn't happen. Listen, I hope for today. I this I say something like this. I heard it many years ago. If not today, Lord, if not today, then perhaps tomorrow. I hope that. Believe me, I do. But at the same time, we have to plan. I thought we were being raptured in 1988. Not based upon that book, 88 Reasons We'll Be Raptured in 1988, but just because I was into Bible prophecy, and I heard a message by a pastor, very faithful pastor, by the way, and he gave a message. I said, man, I think it's happening this year. And then I thought 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, and you know, it's 2022. I didn't think I'd still be here. I'm still here. So what I'm saying is be wise. We don't know when that day is going to happen. Uh, the Bible says God's desires that none should perish. And some people probably got saved in the last year. They're watching this right now. That if the rapture happened two years ago, eh, it wouldn't have worked out like that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, I hope for the rapture. But I, I do believe that we need to be prepared for the long haul. What if you're here in a year? What if you're here in five years? Before you get mad at me, you got to think through this. I hope, as much as you do, that we're called home tonight. That would be awesome. Before I even finish talking, I would love that more than standing here talking. But um, we're, we're, we're moving forward. We have to plan. We want to make wise decisions. And if we're here for five more years, just given the current trajectory, things can get pretty rough. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's not that I don't like you guys for telling you these things. No, I'm, I'm called by God to tell you the truth. And far be it from me that I wouldn't warn and say, hey, you know, be wise about these things. In fact, I believe I'd be an evil pastor if I didn't tell you these things. Uh, so I, I, I need to be wise. I can, I can look at what the Bible says. I can look at the news. I do not believe we are pointed to God's wrath. I believe we're going to be raptured before the wrath of God. I have no doubt about that. But we can go through some difficult times. Just like most other countries in the world right now where Christians live, they go through a lot of tough stuff. And Americans aren't used to that. A lot of people in the Western world aren't used to going through a lot of tough stuff. And um, so just be prepared. That's all I'm saying. And I want to be faithful to the Lord. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm not a perfect person. I, I, I can mess up a lot of stuff. But one thing I'm not is a liar. So I, I can't sit here and, and make up dates of the rapture or try to give you warm fuzzies for stuff like that. I want you to know the truth. The truth will set us free. And when we understand it, it'll help us to be more stable. And at the same time, Jesus call us home. I'm waiting for the sound of the trumpet. Believe me. I talk about the sound of the trumpet. In fact, I get to teach a message on the rapture for a virtual conference coming up this week. So I'm pretty excited about that too. Um, but that, maybe next time here on Sunday night, I'll do a message just on the rapture because 
probably need to hear it. Anyways, listen, God bless you guys. Thank you for your questions. It has been wonderful uh, with you all. Uh, next week, you're about you're going to be super blessed Sunday night. A lot going on this week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I have live casts all three days. 2 o'clock on Monday, 3 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, 2 o'clock on Wednesday. I'll have uh, updates. I'll have my shorts. Hey, if you like the shorts 30 seconds long, uh, share them. They're designed to be shared and get people to think and hopefully think about Bible prophecy. God bless you guys. You're wonderful, but you're not nearly as wonderful as Jesus. <laughs> God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.